Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Monday, March 13th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over 18 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you do that, it will let you download a completely free and private app. You'll see the glowing heart icon before you're done typing the word forgiveness. And if you tap on it, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process. And it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they apply these tools actively in their lives. And secondarily, it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. If you have any of those to share with us, please do so by calling 563-999-3581. If you do that, call that number. If you press 1 on your phone, it will put the little icon of a hand by your phone number 
I will see that you want to share something, turn on the microphone, and announce it by your area code. And we hope you will do that soon and often because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. Our intention with this work is to be a service, and that's something that's far easier to do when we know what would benefit you the most. How is it landing with you, the work we're offering, the worksheets that get done on the air, the review of worksheets that people have done between sessions, the discussions we have, um, discussions about the work, discussions about how to make the work more effective, discussions about why we do the work we do. 563-999-3581, if you call that number and press 1, we can have a conversation. It has been, uh, I think, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday last week. I was not on the show live. And uh, for at least one of those, Jeannie, two of them, I think, Jeannie just pulled something out of the old archives off of MindShiftersAcademy.org website. That was quite a surprise to me. And... um, And uh, I think the biggest thing I wanted to talk about today, if nobody raised a hand, was uh, an episode of the podcast Hidden Brain. Hidden Brain, H-I-D-D-E-N, with um, Shankar Vidankan. And if you... Look that up. It comes up pretty quickly. It's a a very well-known, popular podcast in which Shankar, S-H-A-N-K-A-R, Vedantam, V-E-D-A-N-T-A-M, he uses science and storytelling to reveal the unconscious patterns that drive human behavior, that shape our choices and direct our relationships. And um, I believe March 6th was the most recent episode titled, How Your Beliefs Shape Reality. And there's nothing uh, earth-shatteringly new here for anybody who follows this work because we talk about this stuff on a regular basis. It's a big part of what's being observed in The Course in Miracles and in The um, Way of Mastery. The difference is they have... um, They've been doing solid research that demonstrates the very same thing that these practical spiritual teachings talk about on a regular basis. 
I use the word practical there because one of my favorite quotes from Guy Finley is, there is nothing more practical than true spirituality. Now, when most people think about spirituality, they think about wild theories and scientifically unproven beliefs and everybody's got their own spirituality and everybody's spirituality can conflict with everybody else's. And That's not really what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the stuff that works. The spirituality that Guy Finley talks about is the direct observation of how the world really works, how people with their mind-body energy system, how that really works, and there's nothing more practical than understanding how that works so that you can get access to the very dynamics that are creating and maintaining all of your own thoughts and emotions and behavior patterns. And once you're aligned with that and you're tuned into it, now you've got all kinds of options to change everything of value in your life that you have direct access to, that you have the ability to change. Well, this podcast on Hidden Brain is talking about the observation that, you know, there are a lot of people who've, they have the belief that what they believe in life and how they think the world works was programmed into them by their life experiences. And yet there's really solid research that indicates that what people believe shapes their experience of life and that their experiences of life do not necessarily shape or cause their beliefs. So it's basically, as we talk about so often in this work, what they find out to be the truth when they examine it and observe it directly is pretty much the opposite of what the world and our culture teaches us. Oh, I only think the world is a dangerous place because I had this and that and the other negative experience when I was really young. Oh, I only have this bitter taste in my mouth about relationships because this person and that person um, betrayed me or broke my heart or cheated on me or... Um, used me and manipulated me, etc. And the research indicates that's not the truth of life, that many people have had many intensely negative experiences in their lives, and yet they hold a belief that says life is good, the world's a safe place, relationships are... Um, critically important and, and healthy and, and the best way to live life and heal. And you would not expect that if you had 
seen or heard what these people's individual life experience was. And so while it, you know, they admit it may be a challenge, it may be a lot of hard work, and it may be an uphill battle to change one of your life beliefs, but the essence of this podcast and the research that they're doing indicates it's worth doing that work because even if your life circumstances transform for the better, there's no guarantee that your beliefs will change to be more positive. So it's highly beneficial to do the work to change your belief system to be more positive and not wait for life to change for the better and say, well, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, the old adage, I'll believe it when I see it, is being rewritten by these researchers to something much more like, I'll start seeing it once I train myself to believe it. Whether that is, you know, life is good or the world is a safe place or relationships are healthy or people are good, whatever it is that I think I want to see in the world, I need to start finding a way to help myself believe it even before I've seen it. And of course, that's exactly in line with everything that we read about through the Way of Mastery all last year and the Course in Miracles the year before. And um, it's entirely possible that your life could start getting better either through the application of the tools that Michael and Jeannie offer or really working with the Course in Miracles or the Way of Mastery on a regular basis. And it will be right in line with some of the best psychological research that's being done these days. So what are your thoughts? 563-999-3581. Call that number. Press 1. Help me save my voice. Let us have a conversation. What's on your mind? What was going on for you last week during the replays? Did you find any benefit in the replay titled... I think it had something to do with um, holding the space that was uh, initiated from somebody sending an email asking about that phrase. 563-999-3581. Let us know how we can support you. Area code 541, Celinda? Yes, it is. Good morning. Welcome. Uh, what was the name of this gentleman that's doing this research? I believe he said his first name was Shankar. Yes, S-H-A-N-K-A-R. 
second name is V-E-D-A-N-T-A-M, Shankar Vedantam. Okay, good. And the, um, and the podcast is titled Hidden Brain. Okay. And these, um, I can just Google this and it'll come up and I can listen to these. Yeah, this is just a podcast. Just wherever you get podcasts, type in Hidden Brain and it will come right up. And also, I um, was wondering, can you access the back ones also? Do you have any idea? Yep, just like most podcasts, their history is right there. Well, you can tell. I don't usually, I don't know how podcasts work. Good. Uh, I also wanted to share with you, I, I woke up this morning and I had this thought. Um and I wanted to share this, so I put it in one of my worksheets. That's as far as I've gotten. Uh, and I just wanted to share the thought with you, and then I'll go on and do the worksheet, unless you want me to talk some more so you can save your voice. Um, the thought is, I am never good enough, so it's futile to try to change. And what you were that saying was just about a, a random Harden. thought that popped into your head this morning? Yes, when I woke up. And uh, when you were You're... speaking about Shankar that, um, and what he was talking about, what you just said about him really resonated with this thought for me. So when you have the thought, I'm never good enough, is it for someone or for something in particular? No, I think it's a generic thought. It's like I can never succeed or um, I'm not good enough to ever deserve or anything like that. It seems to be a thought that always directed, the goals would always be directed out there. At some point, I decided I am helpless. I can't. Um, I can't um, get life to work for me. You know, that's it's that kind of field of, of energy. So I thought I would do a worksheet around that, but I wanted to share that in case you had any thoughts at all before I did my worksheet. Well, the first thing that popped into my mind was the the thing that you like from one of the worksheets that says, I want this so that, or so that I can kind of thing. And if you can, can get yourself to tap into what is it you think would happen that would be of benefit if you could get this internal or external entity to think you are enough, then you might get more leverage out of your worksheet. Can you say that one more time? It just kind of So So what is it? If, if you were enough, how would it show up in your life? Ah. Who would love and accept you? How much more money would you have? What job would you get? Um, 
you know, would you grow another arm? I mean, what is what is this thing that you're not enough to? How would you know it's if the magical wand waved and changed things so that you were enough? How would you be able to feel it, see it, or experience it in your life that you're not having now? That might help you get more leverage in the worksheet process. Okay. Good. I'll write that down and let you go on. So before I forget it, thank you so much. All right. Blessings. Thank you for the call. So 563-999-3581. Call that number, press 1 on your phone, I'll turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code, just like I just did for Celinda. And we can have a conversation. And you can help save my voice for the rest of the day's work. I had, um, I have uh, sent that podcast to several people. And uh, gotten various responses so far. The idea is it's the opposite. Again, I said this in the previous segment. It's the opposite of what our culture teaches us. So, of course, we're going to have immediate pushback within ourselves when we try to challenge any core belief, especially one that's kind of culture-wide. And it's interesting that some people think, well, um, what you're telling me is I need to fake it until I make it. And that's not a phrase I really like very much because it implies deceit as opposed to um, challenging and questioning and learning to live more in the question rather than uh, holding on to a belief as though the belief has value aside from the mind energy that you pour into it. So when I hear a phrase like fake it until you make it, I'm hearing fake and um, deceit and self-deceit. And that never has really worked out very well for me. So instead of the fake it till you make it, um, I prefer comments or approaches like question every belief you have. Question it. Stay open. Live your life with direct observation and you will probably have demonstrations that what you thought was true about the world and the way it works isn't the way it works.
And to me, that's very different than the fake-it-till-you-make-it philosophy. So rather than just um, walking around saying, oh, I'm really so grateful when actually I'm harboring resentment and bitterness and when I really want things to be dramatically different than they are, rather than doing that, what I recommend, and of course the research that they talk about in this podcast suggest is find a way to start practicing gratitude and appreciation for what's already here. I forget exactly where I heard it, but there was one spiritual teacher that said, you know, I'll be honest, I cannot yet, I might someday, but I can't yet find a way to be happy about everything that's happening in my life. And yet, I have found that every time I look for something to be happy about, I'm able to find at least something in every situation, in every day, in every time I've tried to practice. So that's To my mind, that's very different than faking as though I'm really happy about everything. That's practicing gratitude for what I can actually discover gratitude about. Excuse me while I cough and clear my throat. So rather than fake it until you make it, practice having actual energy of gratitude moving through your system for things that are already in your life. And, you know, on some days it's, I have to just be grateful for the breath of life itself and most everything else that I look at that I say I want isn't lining up the way my conscious logical mind would tell me it should or I'm entitled to or I should have manifested differently or whatever. And yet, despite that, every time I've tried it, really put effort into it, I've been able to find something to be grateful for in the present moment. And that's what we're recommending rather than fake it till you make it. The practice of gratitude, the practice of looking for and seeing the highest and best in life and in your life situation. And as you do that and you resonate with that energy, you set up a resonant field which will draw to you more of that resonant energy of gratitude, more of that, more of the things that you can then feel gratitude for, etc. And if you set up that resonant frequency, of gratitude for the things that are already in your life. And then 
you sit in that more and more often, you start to attract into your life energy field more things that will resonate that same energy. Over time, if you do that, you'll have more things to observe and you can start to use those observations to feed and fuel a pattern of observation or a template or a belief, if you will. And that's what that podcast is about, various examples of how as we hold a certain pattern of belief and expectation about our life in the world, our experiences tend to conform with that. So, how does that sit with you? What is that stirring up for you? Area code 610, I believe it's Susan. It is. Yes, it is. Hello. I should say hello, Linda. Um, I almost texted you to say, is this a live? Because I didn't get in right away. I often don't. I have something that runs right up to noon. Um, so I thought, is this live? And then I realized I didn't have to ask that question because your voice sounds different. It definitely does. Sounds as if there's stuff in there. So... I'm partly calling just to help with your voice, but I also love the topic. Yeah, faking it till you make it is kind of an ugly thing, and I used, I've used i used it a lot. I like the word intending. I just intend this, and I'm going to turn down the dial on anything that's negative and turn up the dial on anything that's positive and just do do what I can, which feels like faking it sometimes, but... Faking it is not a nice word. I totally agree. So that's one thought. The other thought is responding to Christian Sundberg's book. The way he speaks has really changed how I feel about living on this planet. It's been exciting and depressing and disorienting all at once. Um, Well, that's complex. It is. I was looking for something to grab onto to talk about, specifically in the book. And the one that impressed me the most was on page five of the intro, but you and I already talked about that. The fact that in order to come and live on this planet, we have to allow ourselves to be dumbed way down. Our knowledge of our real self and our real life is almost eclipsed. A big shroud is put over our head and we sink down into lower and lower and lower vibrations, which is not very flattering, but of course that's an ego response. But um, that's the only thing that really started me off thinking, well, there's something that sounds true about that. So often when I'm going about my life, and this has happened all my life, I have this feeling that I'm dreaming. This isn't really it. I'm in a dream, and if I just concentrate hard enough, I'll wake up. 
and you know we all do have that experience when we're having a a terrible dream about losing losing all our teeth or something, and then we woke up and by gum we've got our teeth, and it's such a wonderful thing to wake up into having your teeth. So waking up into real life must be absolutely fabulous. And they say it's so fabulous that even someone with the most profound earthly attachment, like a mother with a new baby, doesn't care about joining that baby. She likes where she is. She doesn't want to come back to earth. And usually the, the way she is convinced to come back is because... Someone said, someone says to her, this is what's going to happen to your child if you don't. I like it's a, a kind of emotional blackmail or tremendous pressure to get the mother to agree to return to take care of her baby. Boy, that's complicated well, too. Well, but now, but now think about it. Take a breath. Notice all of the the intensity and negativity and egoic stuff that's in here. Just breathe and soften a minute or two. There is nobody that's trying to pressure or force these souls to come back in here, according to the stories that I've listened to and that you're reporting in the book. That's an interpretation you're putting on it. No one's pressuring the mother to come back. They're saying, look, you can stay or you can go. You have free will. We just want you to make an informed choice. The soul that is embodying the infant that you're attached to in the physical has its own life to live. It's going to be fine one way or another. It's going to learn its lessons, choose to have another physical experience or not based on its needs. It's not connected with you that way. We just want you to have the choice knowing all the ramifications. And it's okay. So like Christian said with that story that he talked about with himself where he had a life and he was beginning growing as a fetus and then aborted and and chose not to keep on the path that would bring him to fruition in the physical. And they said, okay, Mm. you can do that. And he said, okay, I'm going to do that. And he bailed out. And then he got to see all of the ripples of the impacts, good, right. bad, and otherwise, that went on with you know, that person, that family, etc. Back along the line, we're reading this book, um, Jesus, My Autobiography. And there was a beautiful segment in there that I sent to quite a few people. Well, not quite a few, but more than just a few people about abortion because what happens you know if people have an abortion and the talk in there was very similar look the person who's coming to have a life experience in that body will just move on and inhabit another body if if it's if what they want to do is have a physical experience there'll be all kinds of other places they can do that you aren't ruining someone else's life when you make the best choice you can for yourself in your life at any given point. Everybody else mm-hmm. is, an, is an independent entity making their own choices. I've thought a lot about this because I had an abortion once. Who's to know whether that baby 
didn't need just that little bit of a touchdown on the earthly plane before leaving the body. I like to console myself with the fact that, um, you know, maybe my baby just needed somebody to house her for a little while and she wasn't physically normal. Uh, She needed that experience too. It's a way of, uh, who knows, but it's the way, it helps me think that thought that I hadn't gone against her destiny, that I had actually helped her fulfill something she wanted to have fulfilled. Well, it certainly makes more sense to me in the big picture. It certainly fits with all the great spiritual teachings that say, look, I only, my, only my ego wants to think of itself as so special and powerful and that, you know, the essence of our lives is that we are part of this magnificent flow of life that we call creation. And so we are just as wonderful and magnificent as every other part of creation and no more. Right? We aren't any more special as humans than any other part of creation. My cat is concurring. There was somebody in... in, um, that just it it made me think of the old um it's 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 old now it's quite a few years old now that I was listening to way of mastery and it was um really clearly it just came to me only the ego wants to know god oh i wanted to ask you about that you said that the other day and i wanted to ask you a question about that okay the I have had experiences of really, really wanting to know God or wanting God to be with me or wanting to feel as if God is with me. And I've certainly never added a terrible layer of self-beating up to say that this is from my ego. Uh, that seems a little harsh. Well, you can make it. You can make it like just like this whole thing about showing somebody the ramifications of their choices. You you, you can spin it as though that's trying to pressure them to come back to take care of their baby or whatever. Or you can just say, no, it's just you know, it's full disclosure. Let's just everybody have the all the information so they can make an informed choice. It isn't harsh if it's the truth. It's just the truth. So, you know, but what does that mean? And I don't know, it means whatever anybody wants to make it mean. You know, I, these things come to me and sometimes they make really good sense and sometimes they're just a, a koan that gives me something to chew on and see how it might make sense one way or another. But the essence of it is, you know, as I, as I look at it over time, that my soul, my spark of light, my you know, connection to the divine has always been there, will always be there. Um, 
I don't need to make any big changes to, like the way of mastery says over and over again, you can't be any holier than you already are. Right? You're, you're a part of creation. You're whole and complete just as you are. Nothing of value can be added unto you. Nothing of value can be taken from you, etc. So the ego is the part of you that has come to believe that you're somehow separated from your creator, which, of course, you can't ever be. And so it's that part of you that yearns to reconnect. And But there's another part of you that's never been disconnected, that, can't, and that understands and that lives in the flow of life, that understands it can't ever be disconnected from its source. So in that way, it just makes it's just a common sense statement when you say only the ego wants to know God, because everything about you that's not ego already understands you can't ever be separate from your Creator, okay. and is living in in the connected experience of oneness with the Creator. And that's not harsh when you look at it that way, right? It's just a waking up to the truth of what is. I hope that makes sense. It does make sense. And I apologize. Half of my brain, well, a little less than half, has been dealing with a grandson who has a sick cat, and he keeps texting me, and I'm saying, I'm on the radio show, and I'm trying to concentrate. I'm having a discussion. <laughs> He's saying, how do I give her this pill? <laughs> Life is very interesting. Oh, okay, well, so here's somebody else with a hand up. I'll turn on the, the microphone for area code 904 okay, while you wrestle with the cat. All right. Area code 904, you're in the air. Yes, hi. My uh, my name's Dusty. Greetings. Welcome, Dusty. Can you hear me okay? Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Um I really uh, I appreciate that um, comment about fake it till you make it because ever since I first heard that it was um, uh, it was like oh close but no cigar you know and back in my my deeper part and um, I find if I just get out of my own way and drop into the reality that is me then there it is. Like it's already there in a way, which is a, a good trick, of course. Uh, well, I don't know about trick, but um, and the last um, three or four days, I I've had something go on that's um, been uh, biochemical, and I haven't slept, and it's much, and it's and I've been clenching real hard. In my jaw, and the the the, um, the lemonade of these this lemon process is um, man. I've been, I know I've been. I mean, I've been clenching, clenching. I've I've, I've been my body's been uh, brutalized at all at several on, on many occasions, and I, I've been clenching. In fact, my teeth are just gone because I've been clenching and I'm finally able to drop into the deeper parts that I just have to like, okay, if you drop into this, what's going on right now, I'll find that I'm clenching. I overthink 
stuff like crazy. And I get out of my way, and I quit the clenching, the the inner dialogue that's spinning drops away enough, and I can feel uh, the beauty that's in there. And so that's the fake it till I make it thing. That's more, it's like, well, uh, maybe it's already there. And I'm, I have the belief that um, our, you know, our true self is always there. So I appreciated you saying that. All right. I'm glad it was useful. And um, if you're like most of us, when whatever is going on in the energy system prompts part of the body to tighten and tense up, it's a very well-rehearsed pattern that may take quite a while to undo. And yet most people discover that letting it unfold is um, the only thing that brings relief, right? So practicing the release, whether it's through breathing or the EFT tapping or the goal canceling, Mm -hmm. practicing that release is the one thing that can bring the relief that we say we so desperately want, despite the fact that all the other systems in the body might be saying, no, tighten and tense and be afraid and be aware, run away, (laughs) go into fight or flight. Right. Uh, Yeah, and that's pretty much um, what I've been saying. I've been working on my whole life, really, just pretty much. Um, But in spite, I've never been very cultural-oriented. You know, um, I kind of (laughs) rejected uh, uh, some of the paradigms that dominate culture right off the bat. And um, I... Hmm. It's just um, if I just like it's kind of what you said, but if I just for me, and I mean this has been ongoing, you know. But if I drop into that, if I just peel away the layers, the onion a little bit, and go get out of my own way, it's the the beauty and the the soul, the uh, the. uh, Mm, kind of that eternal love aspect is already present. And, whoa, okay. So I don't have to go around clenching. And you're right, it, it, it's a really old pattern. It's just so ingrained. that. Uh, um, but more recently, it's I'm, I've just been taking, I've just been dealing with it head on, moment to moment, as I can. Well, and sometimes, you know, what really helps people is a shift in the focus of the various levels or awareness of the energy system. So mm-hmm. back in the day when when all we did was talk about stress as though the body was a physical body, they would talk about, well, you know, you spend some mind energy in thought, you spend some mind energy in emotion, and you spend energy in physical activity, and sometimes you expend energy in um, just 
the physical activity that's just like raking the yard or mowing the lawn or digging a ditch. And sometimes you spend it in those activities that can be creative. And so when you're stressed, you want to take a look at what kinds of energies you've been spending a lot of your time focused on recently as you were building the stress level. And to decrease the stress level, make sure you mix it up. So if you were at work and you were crunching numbers, you know, these days we'd say staring at a computer. Back when we were starting this, it was looking at your graph paper or your ledger and, you, and you're feeling stressed. At the end of the day, you want to go home. You don't want to be reading a book. You don't want to be looking at numbers. You want to go for a bike ride. You want to go for a walk in nature. You want to spend energy from a different bucket, so to speak. And so you might want to apply that same kind of thing here. If you're focusing on a certain pattern of thought or a certain endeavor and you're feeling tight and tense and clenching um, and you're trying to let go and you're trying to move on, you might need to shift by spending energy, mind energy and physical energy, in a completely disconnected activity. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something that has almost nothing to do with the physical or the, or the um, I didn't mean to say physical, I meant to say mental or spiritual aspect. Mm-hmm. Just kind of right. snap yourself out of it kind of thing. Yeah, it's, um, I hear what you're saying, and I do, and I do have to be very physical every day. I, I typically put on fins and go out in the ocean and look for the biggest waves there and get a workout like crazy. And, uh, and when I come back, I'm spent. And that's a, that's very cathartic for me. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I guess the point I, I'm feeling here is, um, it's okay for me right now to, just relax regardless. I mean, whether it's, you know, it's a change of perspective in this moment. I can walk across the room and find I'm clenching my jaw. Okay, well, if I catch myself, great. And I can just kind of drop into a more uh, beautiful and more of a feel-good space, too, for that matter. And, um, yeah, yeah. you know how it is when things uh, are up. It's a good time to work on. So I'm trying to get that up, the the up of the uh, the clench at least down. Just just let it fall a little more. And um, I don't know if any of this makes sense or not, but that's kind of my response to second to you, because it's sort of already here. I know it is. I can feel it in my heart. It's already we're we're already connected. All right. Well, is there anything else we can do to support you today? Um, uh, 
that was that was it. I was just responding to that a bit, how much I like that, and uh, um, and I, I appreciate your program. You have um, uh, a nice lilting dance in the way you do it. It's uh, refreshing. Thank you. All right. I'm glad that you're finding it useful. I will mute you so you can listen to the second half, and I'll turn on the microphone for area code. 541 and 828. Hi there. We have seven minutes left, and you're both on. I'm sorry. Who's the other person? This is Monica. It's Linda. Oh, hi, Linda. Well, I'll be real quick. Hi, dear. I'll be real quick so you have time. Um, This may or may not uh, address what Dusty was talking about, Um, but I, I would offer him as I did myself, uh, the challenge of intentional breathing um, because I'm aware that once in a while when I check, oh, my goodness, I'm breathing very shallowly or holding my breath. So I decided I was going to use a timer to help me remember every two hours to take about two minutes and do that breathing uh, exercise that you had taught us, uh, Dr. Tim, of uh, inhaling to, I think, the count of four and holding it to, again, the count of four or five or six, whatever is comfortable, and then very, very slowly exhaling to the count of ten through the mouth and um, doing that three times and then just going on because I've become aware that, that kind of breathing moves us from the uh, sympathetic, sympathetically dominated nervous system to the parasympathetic, which is, of course, where we really want to be living. So um, I'm trying that for a few days and seeing what happens. Um, I figure if I can get my parasympathetic nervous system working more, I might get in the habit, my body might get in the habit of doing it by itself. So that's what I have to offer today. All right. Thank you for that. Belinda? Yes. I wanted to first of all thank Susan for everything she asked you and everything she said and that there is no need in my mind for her to apologize about everything because so much of what she asks and says are um, actually thoughts that I have hidden from myself or feelings that I've hidden from myself or interpretations I've made that I was just sure that that was the way it was. So I, I really appreciate her calling in as much as she does. Also, I would like to thank Dusty for his call because there were many things he said there that um, touched me and also that I noticed he was letting go of his breath at many points when I'm imagining he probably was feeling tension or clenching and that he was just letting go of these big breaths, and I really appreciate him doing that because I have a real hard time, a real difficult, challenging time to do that, to just let go and 
take a breath, a nice long exhale. <clears throat> and thank you, Magda, for your suggestion as well. And thank you, Dr. Tim. For all of the things you've contributed, yes, for everything and the way the way you have evolved as a therapist, it's very gentle and it allows me to trust trust um, the process, um, the show yourself, everything. I just am very grateful, and maybe myself as well. To learn to trust yourself. Yes. Because that would be the, to be the, the primary key. Yes, that's that's what yep. this whole show is about. Yes. And that is all. Thank you. I'm complete. All right. Blessings. Well, I thank you all for being here and uh, tuning in. Michael and Jeannie apparently are going to be here for the second hour. And again, the podcast that we referenced was Shankar Vidankan, and it is Hidden Brain, wherever you get your podcasts. And it's the episode from March 6th titled, How Your Beliefs Shape Reality, rather than How Your Life Experiences Shape Your Belief. And... um, that was the offering that sparked so much conversation today. I will remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. And I'll hopefully welcome Jeannie Rice. If I'd unmeet myself, me. you could hear me. <laughs> yes. Glad you're feeling better. Yeah, I'm. I my way through this one, I had to mute and cough a few times, but I am better. So I hope you have a wonderful Good. show, and I hope things Thank continue you. to go well with your grand, your dad. Thank you. Appreciate it. So, welcome everybody to the second hour of MindShifters Radio. And today, March the 13th, 2023, and our call-in number is 563-999-3581. And press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. We'll give Michael a moment to get dialed in. And uh, I'll just bring you quickly up to date. It's been a long weekend. Friday night we got a call from the assisted living where my dad stays. And, And they said he was having trouble breathing. And so we ended up taking him to the emergency room by ambulance, and uh, 2.30 Saturday morning, they decided to admit him, and they've been running tests and doing all kinds of things. The only thing we know at this point is he's got fluid in his lungs. They're doing an echogram this afternoon to see if there's fluid around his heart, and um, giving him breathing treatments and taking care of some skin wounds and different things, but uh, he seems to be pretty stable right now. We just left there just a few moments ago. So thank you for your continued prayers and love sent our way. Aria went with us the other night. Um, I guess it was Saturday. Um, she was over there and she wanted to feed him. And so 
uh, I asked his dad, I said, is it okay if she feeds you? And he's like, yeah, his hands are so drawn in, he can't hold a utensil. And so she fed him his whole meal, and she kept saying, can I give him the dessert? And I said, no, he needs to eat some vegetables first. Give him another bite, and she'd say, is that enough? Can he have his dessert? <laughs> I think it was all projection. She wanted the dessert. But um, anyway, he ate really good for her, and then the uh, nurses were great with her. They let her help when they were giving him a breathing treatment and listening to his lungs, and they even gave her a stethoscope, and so she thought she was just really flying high there. But uh, anyway, just continue to hold us in the space, and we just take it day at a time. One of my brothers is coming in tomorrow, so um, it'll be good to be with him. I may have to play a show tomorrow. We'll see, depending on what time he gets here. But anyway... Uh, a few things have been added to the website. You can either go under the latest news. You can go under newsletters. If you're on our mailing list, you should have gotten a newsletter about 11, 11 15 last night that we sent out. And uh, uh, still looking at Heartland. Coach joined us now, so I'll turn it over to him. Awesome, sweetie. Thank you. And welcome, everybody. We are honored and delighted to be here one more time to share these tools and to open the space for deeper and deeper levels of understanding of these awesome principles of forgiveness and how to use the tools that we've got to move past the insanity of hostility, fear, judgment, blame, guilt, all the games that the uh, the non-being mind play, how to move past those things and move into uh, a new space that's kind of a wordless space. And I had something yesterday that had motivated me to open. Well, actually, before I go into that, let me just check. Janie, do we have anybody in the phone queue or anything happening in the chat room? Nope, it is all quiet. I, there's a couple hands right. up, but I believe both of them were with Dr. Tim, Glenn, um, and Magda. I well, believe when I first signed on that he they had already been talking to him, but I can check with them. Let's go for it. You haven't heard from Magda in a while. Okay. Celinda, Alrighty. I did Ms. hear the end of her Ms. conversation. Magda, 828, <laughs> have you already had your talk, or can we support you? Oh yeah, I'm I'm complete. I um, I just would like to add my my prayers and concern for your your dad and uh, how things proceed there and hold you all in a blessing. And um, uh, and Michael, I want to tell you that I'm so glad you got to spend some time with your um, former wife um, at at the point of time when I'm sure her spirit really, really appreciated you being there and being able to finish up some things, whatever that was. So, yeah, I felt very blessed that uh, she honored me sufficiently. You know, she had lingered for quite some time and uh, that she uh, allowed me to be there during her passing, which was very peaceful and very quiet. After quite a bit of trauma, she'd been through a lot with kidney failure and all. And so it was awesome to be there for her. Her brother came. I haven't seen her brother. He used to live with us when when the kids were young. And I haven't seen him in 30-plus years. 
So it was good mm-hmm. to connect with him and spend a little bit of time with him. And, of course, Michael and Jamie. Uh, the main reason for going out was just to support them and CJ and what was, you know, imminent that, that they knew she was getting ready to pass. And, of course, I got just all kinds of this awesome baby time. <laughs> so that was pretty yeah. sweet. Yeah, and, by it all. and Avery came down and he got double blessed. <laughs> oh, wow. <Yeah. laughs> That's great. That's so great. Well, excellent. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to listen and... Uh, play with my orchids here. (laughs) Yeah, you have a blessed day, okay? (laughs) It's in the plan. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Lovely. Signing off and you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Shall we do a quick check-in with Celinda and say hello? I've lost your voice, Jean. Hello. Are you there? Hey there. Welcome. I can hear you. Okay. I uh, hadn't expected to. I had just gotten off the queue so you could go on with your show, so I hadn't expected you to call. Oh, okay. Well, but that's well, we fine. can just say hello and send blessings. Well, that, and I'm, I uh, echo Magda's sentiments completely, and and thank you for being able to go be with your family at that time of passing. I also um, will hold your father up, Jeannie, um, and your daddy also, Michael. Um, and I had an interesting thing happen this morning, my iPhone, and I'm going to find out. Uh, I'll ask you first. Uh, all of a sudden, on your contact, by the, this Heartland came up right under your name with a great big yellow, great big red asterisk by it, emergency hmm. contact. So that's really weird. I don't know if I put Am I an emergency contact for you now? I, I don't think so. Oh, <laughs> don't that's <know>. interesting. <laughs> but, so I well, if I'll you have any emergencies, I... you make sure to contact us. Okay, I will. The um, I'll contact uh, Apple support, and they, I'm sure they can tell me because I probably pushed the button or something. So very good. But uh, carry on. All right. With your part. And you have a last one. Much. You All right. Bye bye. Nobody else has a hand up, so go for it. Cool. So I was starting to say that uh, I had been um, doing some research for a question that came up and came across a section on from A Course in Miracles called The Clarification of Terms Introduction. And there's just some interesting information there that I felt deserved repeating and focusing on to put the course and actually virtually any other form of writing in place. And so I'd just like to kind of cover those, uh, the clarification of terms. So it starts out and says, this is not a course in philosophical speculation, nor is it concerned with precise terminology. It is concerned only with atonement or the correction of perception. So atonement and the correction of perception are one. And so to recognize that atonement is... 
the return to or the recovery of the state of being, the state of who we are as human beings, and how a, a really important piece of that puzzle is the concern and the connectedness with truth. So the, the whole idea is to enter the course, and all the work we do is to enter into relationship with and honor truth. And it's interesting how we can sacrifice truth because the perceptual constructs of our mind say something different. And if we are hooked into being right with our perceptual constructs rather than going for truth, then we're in trouble. So when we give up our desire, our longing, our willingness to honor and engage truth, what we really give up is our very souls, our, our, that state of being, who we are. And by doing that, we voluntarily enter into the only hell that exists in all of creation. And that's a self-created state void of the fact of love. That we are the created essence of love. And to recognize that the only function of words in this process is really to give us directions in how to heal our minds and to make clear the falsity of what happens with words. So, and it's interesting, I'm, I'm connected on Facebook with several uh, Course in Miracles groups. And it's interesting to read, 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 read people's posts. And most of the posts are trying to convince people that the words that are being used are true. Ah, here's the truth. I know the truth. As opposed to the only thing that words are good for is directions on how to forgive. And I'm, I'm kind of shocked at how rarely, as I say, I'm connected with several Course in Miracles groups, how rarely anybody, and they'll have posts that are, you know, paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs, ever suggests forgiveness or ever engages in forgiveness. And so the correction of perception and the means of doing that in this clarification of terms very clearly stated the means of doing that is forgiveness. Forgiveness, once again, not being about how I'm going to let you off the hook for what's happening inside of me, but the removal of what never belonged. It goes on to say the structure of individual consciousness, and they've got those two words in quotes, is essentially irrelevant because it is a concept representing the original error or what one might call the original sin. That when we live in this separateness, there is not even any language to represent our true state. 
So if we get stuck in that I'm separate, it leaves us, you know, you've heard me say before in the in the realm of healing, that the study of health is far more profitable than the study of disease. This particular lesson goes on and says, to study the error itself does not lead to correction. If you are indeed to succeed in overlooking the error. And it's just this process of overlooking at which the course aims. One of the posts that kind of inspired this had, had come across, and Ken Wapnick, who was one of the original teachers of the course, put forward that Helen, the woman who brought the course into existence, said to him at one point that this course was only for five or six people. Meaning that who's going to understand it? Who's going to apply it? And so people take that whole text and want to make a philosophy out of it. And as the opening words in this particular chapter said, this is not a course in philosophical speculation. It's a set of directions for how to return to the truth of who we are and to do that through forgiveness. And it just amazes me that maybe in three or four years of interacting with different course groups, I've maybe seen once or twice that somebody suggests forgiveness. Otherwise, it's, oh, this, this, just words upon words upon words upon words. And the only real meaning for words, well, you'll remember we've quoted the lesson before on words. It says that you utilize the words of the world of darkness, that is the world where people live in perception, perception being a construct of the mind. Remember the, the lesson, what is the world? The world is false perception. It is born of error. The world between our ears, the constructs of our mind, is false perception. And so the object of the words is to show you how to collapse false perception to get back to and to, re to remove the separate perceptual constructs. You know, if we listen to Einstein, he says, if you think you're separate or separated from the rest of humanity, you're living in an optical delusion. So the, the whole idea of forgiveness is, and, and of words is to free us from the optical delusion and come to an experience of who we are. Not to figure out life and be able to explain it to anybody. If you think back, you go back and, you know, if you were to listen to the last 12 years of radio shows, you'd find that the majority of the conversation is supporting and assisting people in recognizing that the construct of their mind isn't true. That's the, one of the biggest uses for words is, okay, so that's not the truth. So this lesson goes on and says, all terms are potential, potentially controversial, and those who seek controversy will find it. And here's a big key, and it, it ties into goals. Remember, the Course talks about the distorting power of the way you want it to be. Those who seek clarification will find it as well. So people can go for controversy. depends what their goals are. But if what you're really looking for is clarification, then that's going to come. Clarification, this particular chapter says, they must, however, be willing to overlook controversy recognizing that it is a defense against the truth and the form of a delaying 
move, pardon me, maneuver. So to recognize what is false and to uncover the truth of who we are. Theological considerations as such are necessarily controversial since they depend on belief and can therefore be accepted or rejected. A universal theology is impossible, but a universal experience is not only possible but necessary. What's the universal experience? To experience yourself as a universal being. It's been called, being in that state has been called cosmic consciousness where all of a sudden you don't buy into the separateness that the constructs of your mind show you, but rather that you recognize the oneness, the connectedness of it all. And and there's no way to talk about it. You know, a couple thousand years ago, they said, yes, oh, there are so many things that we want you to tell us. Oh, question, question, question. Yes, there's, yeah, and there are so many things I would like to tell you, but you can't hear it. It can't be spoken in words. So what the Course is aiming for is to create a wedge in perception by knowing how to collapse it any moment, especially if it's based in some form of hostility or fear, but even what we call positive constructs of the mind, to collapse them, to open a space for a direct experience of who we are. And it goes on to say here, it is this experience toward which the Course is directed here alone consistency come, becomes possible because here alone uncertainty ends. The course remains within the ego framework. So, you know, we hear people trying to take the course and make it, oh, here's the truth, here's the truth. No, there's no truth. There's no truth there. It is not concerned with what is beyond all error because it is planned only to set forth the direction towards it. Therefore, the Course, this is like so profound, therefore the Course uses words which are symbols and cannot express what lies beyond symbols. So perception is a symbol. Words describing our perception are symbols of symbols. So the Course uses words, but they're just symbolic. And the symbols can't go beyond the symbols. can't tell you the truth, but it can give you directions and it can help you to dissolve what the lie is. It is merely the ego that questions because it is only the ego that doubts. The Course merely gives another answer once a question has been raised. However, the answer does not attempt to resort to inventiveness or ingenuity. These are attributes of the ego. The course is simple. It has one function and one goal. Only in that does it remain wholly consistent because only that can be consistent. So we're not looking in any way, shape, or form to tell you the truth. It's never going to be found in words. It's just not possible. Because all words do is give you symbols. 
So the ego will demand many answers that this course does not give. It does not recognize as questions the mere form of a question to which an answer is impossible. So the ego asks, and it's interesting, people go to, often go to extremes. And, you know, that, that old question of how many angels can dance on the head of a pin is irrelevant. It's not about angels dancing on the head of a pin, but that's one of the impossible questions that keeps people out of really truly doing their work. And, and again, recognize that a few minutes ago the Course said here, the Course is all part of the ego world. So the ego asks, how did the impossible occur? To what did the impossible happen? And may ask this in many forms, yet there is no answer, only an experience. Seek only this, and do not let theology delay you. So to always head back to looking at what's the construct in my mind that takes me out of love, how do I collapse that and get back to the direct connectedness, the direct experience of the presence of love? And how do I create relationships with people around me to bring that about when the ego goes, oh, but hey, I've got an impossibility for you. Let's go with this one. And or wants to go for controversy. So you'll notice that the emphasis on structural issues in the course is brief and early. Others are going to get that out of the way. I've given this all the meaning it has for me. Oh, so my mind is, is structuring a reality, and I'm trying to pretend that the reality is out there. I need to recognize the realities in here and then recognize that everything that's in here that comes from my mind is false. Again, go back to that lesson, what is the world? The world is false perception. It is born of error. It has not left its, left its source. It will remain no longer than the thought that gave it birth is cherished. So it starts out with some of that structural stuff, and then it says afterwards and soon it drops away to make for the central teaching. Since you've asked for clarification, however, these are some of the terms that are used. And so, purpose of the course, clarification, to simply give us the tools to collapse perception and to understand when our minds are lying to us. To do the work of removing all the lies, no matter what they're based on, no matter how many generations of pain or trauma or what have you, occur to remove what never belonged and what never belonged, any form of hostility or fear. So the term mind is used to represent the activating agent of spirit supplying its creative energy. When the term is capitalized, it refers to the creator or the mind of Christ, the mind of God, the mind of love. Spirit is the thought of the creator, which he created like himself. The unified spirit is God's one son or Christ. So many people want to think of a particular man linked to this word Christ, and they have no understanding that that word is not a proper noun. It is not a name. It's actually 
the word used to represent a title. If I were to run for mayor, people might call me Mayor Michael if I won. But mayor isn't part of my name as Christ is not part of a name. It's simply an office. It simply represents the awakened state. In this world of false perception, because the mind is now split, we seem to be separate. Minds do not seem to be joined. In this illusory state, the concept of an individual mind seems to be meaningful. It is therefore described in the Course as if it had two parts, spirit and ego. There is a part of our minds that is connected to the mind of love continuously. And when we live in that part, we see the other part as well. And of course, the term soul is not used except in direct biblical quotations because of the highly con- its highly controversial nature. It would, however, be the, ind- the equivalent of spirit with the understanding that being of the creator is eternal and was never born. Part of the mind is entirely elusive, illusory and makes only illusions. So this device that constructs the world we see, you know, we don't see through the eyes. The eye is an energy receiver. Light comes into the eye. You can't see out of it. You've never seen anything with your eyes. But information comes in, and according to the information that comes in, And what it stimulates in you, your mind generates this whole construct called perception. Now, in order to get something out of the mind, obviously it had to be there. If it was there, then it must be from the past. So all perception is a reflection of the past. How do you live in the present if you're stuck in the past? Here's how you do it. You collapse perception. And it's interesting how the world has turned this, the the tool for doing that, into I'm going to let you off the hook because this pain is moving in me rather than I'm going to collapse the construct based in unresolved pain so that I can come into direct contact with the pain as love and dissolve the pain. So it's an interesting dichotomy. Recognizing that perception is a construct and of course all words are based in the perceptions we have in common. Perceptions are symbols. There's another passage in the Course that talks about you live by symbols to everything you give a name and separate it from the rest. And so the line in the course that represents the how-to of forgiveness is the way that you collapse that world of perception. You know, if you look at the worksheet, that's all the worksheet is about. Especially when you're in pain, but even when you're in joy. To collapse that world 
and drop into the truth of who we are. Which means all you have to do is give up your whole past. How do you collapse the constructs that come from the mind based in the past, based in what's stored within? Well, there's a simple line in the Course that describes exactly how forgiveness is done. And it's interesting, in 40 years plus of working with the Course, I've never found one person who's found a definition of forgiveness or the how to do it. It's all kinds of conversation, but how do you do it? I believe it's Workbook Lesson 340. Paragraph 8, if I remember correctly. Let go all the things you think you want. Your trifling treasure put away and leave a clean and open space within your mind for love to appear and dissolve, forgive, remove the energetic patterns that never belonged. This is forgiveness a la first century Aramaic Yeshua. Interesting in the Aramaic language, the word shabag or shabak has been translated as forgive, but what it means is to cancel. Let go all the things you think you want. Recognize that your goals drive the perceptual constructs of your mind. And if the perceptual construct of your mind has you in some form of fear or hostility or irritation or upset, or joy, then you're living out of the past. Even if the perceptual construct seems to be wonderful ones, and we're willing to give that up, something unspeakable happens. And to trust that is a challenge for the mind that wants to figure everything out and be in control of everything. So there's an interesting dichotomy there, and I hope that resonates a few brain cells for everybody and uh, stimulates some conversation. So they're my thoughts for today, and I'm open for some questions, answers, support needed. What's on your mind? Our call-in number, if you're on one of those stations where we can't see you in our control panel, is 563 563- 999-3581-563-999-3581. We call that number. You're listening to the show directly. And then if you push one, I raise a hand in the control panel and we're going to have a conversation. What's on your mind? How can we support you? Any thoughts for you, Jeannie? No. Uh, but you did have a hand just go up, and uh, it's uh, Miss Linda. So you're on the air. Bob Let's go on. for it. Hey, young lady. I haven't talked to you in so hey. long. I know. It's forever, forever and forever and always. I mean, it's been <laughs> minutes. <laughs> I know. I just had a quick question to ask you. Since uh, you so graciously sent me back the Course in Miracles, and I am sitting on it, hatching it, until I'm ready to read it, um, where was that in the in one of the three books that you sent back to me? Yes, 
Yeah, there's a section uh, where on the clarification of terms. And is that in the big book? The big, big volume? I believe, I, no, I believe it's in the teacher's manual. Okay, cool. I don't, I've right. got it digitally in front of me, so mechanically I'm not sure, but if you look in the uh, the teacher's manual, you, let's see, you've got the, the all got in one it. book, I've right? I've got all three. No, okay, it's in yeah. three different books. The three, okay. So go to the teacher's manual and clarification of terms and the introduction, and that's where It'll you'll find be. it. Cool, because it was really, really helpful. I'm so glad you read it. Thank you so much. Sweet. Awesome. And that's it. Anything else exciting or on your mind? Well, isn't it exciting enough? (laughs) Yes, there is something. Both shows again today. Is there any chance that they, um, at the end of the show, if you could um, reflect on your show and see if, they, those shows, both Dr. Tim's and yours, could be put in a special place. I, maybe they were only helpful for me, and at the same time, they might be helpful for someone else. A special place. Okay. Well, Jean will put that request into the hopper and see how it fits. All right. So I figured if you went back and listened to it or if if you had any reflections and it felt meaningful to you, especially that it could go in that uh, special podcast section, whatever uh, area on the website it would fit best, both of them, maybe individually, because it is is a bunch to listen to both hours at all at once (laughs) with all the good information and and insights given. All right. Perfect. Now... If you go to, let's see, what's the name of the podcast program? iHeartRadio. If you go to the iHeartRadio app and download it. iHeartRadio. How do you spell it? iHeartRadio. iHeart. Just the letter I. Okay, good. The letter I and the word heart, one word, iHeartRadio. If you download that, then... When you go to one, one thing that's a benefit of that is it shows you all of our shows back to the beginning. Some apps will only do something like 300 shows, but they'll show you all 5,000, 4,000, however many are there. And then when you Uh open one of the shows, you can fast forward through it so you don't have to listen to, you know, if you decide, oh boy, that part Dr. Tim did at at about the 15 minute point. So you can just slide it and go to 15 minute point and listen to that. Oh, cool. All right. Thank you. Other apps don't allow that, uh, or some, I don't know what other apps might or might not, but I know that one does, and several of them do not. So iHeartRadio is an app, then? Yes. If you go to your app store, type in iHeartRadio, you'll see the app. And also, if you're on the computer on the website, where it shows, like, our Facebook, it's also got iHeart up there as well as YouTube and all of those. You can just do a one-click there, too, if you're on your computer. Oh, right on the top where you have contacts and everything else? If, if you're on the website, up at the, it, they're really small, at least on my computer, but it's up there, yeah, next to where it says Contact Us. There's Facebook okay. and Vimeo and YouTube, and then there's iHeart. Oh, that's right. I've seen it. Okay, not iHeart, but I've seen the other. Okay, perfect. That's great. Thank you. And I think I'm complete again. 
Someone Sweet. else come on. All right. That's we, right. we have another hand up. Okay, good. Bye-bye. So this one, I think, is Joe, 864. You're on the air. Hey. Hi. Hey, hey, guys. Welcome, good sir. Uh, outstanding, outstanding. Glad to be here. Um, outstanding in your up, field? Uh, outstanding in, in left field. Just remember, it's always left. That's where the, you know, your left or center is where I'm most comfortable. I, I never played right. But uh, anyway, um, Claire, oh, you had shared a uh, look at the development of trust with me, and I wanted to follow up. Yes. When you, I pull, I pull it up, and it's uh, teacher's manual, development of trust, and Section 4, the first question is, it talks about it is only to the extent to which they are helpful that any degree of reality should be accorded them in the world of illusion. And here's where the, the word value, it's in quotations, can apply to nothing else. Okay, that's, so that's one kind of thought that I have, like, okay, what, what is that trying to say? On uh, number six, we he speaks or you know uh, about transfer value. Um, now comes a period of settling down. This is quiet time, in which the teacher of God rests a while in reasonable peace. Now he consolidates his learning. Now he begins to see the transfer value of what he has learned. And then in, down the bottom at number eight. I'm getting all the way down there. Uh, and he says, uh, uh, full transfer, he talks about. Yeah, okay. So, uh, and finally, there's a period of achievement. And then you jump down. Indeed, the tranquility is their result, the outcome of honest learning consistently of thought and full transfer. So what's popping for me is this transfer, uh, value and transfer. What's your thoughts? Well, my thought would be that, you know, the Course talks about only active love is true. And so if, let's say I'm in a big conflict situation and all of a sudden I cancel a goal, my perception collapses, and I get to see, oh, my God, I made this whole structure up about this situation that I thought was out there, and when I dropped it, I saw that, oh, my God, that was, that was just a reflection of something that happened to me when I was three, and now I've got the memory of what happened at three, and, and when I look at that and realize how insane it was to go that out there is the problem right now today, you know, when I'm 42. Mm-hmm. And I get that that construct was just a reflection of something earlier. Then the transfer value is tomorrow afternoon when, I mean, something triggers full-blown mania in me full-blown insanity, mm-hmm. and I could stop and go, oh, yeah, I remember yesterday when I believed some of this crap, and then I saw what was beneath it. The transfer value is, I know this is insane, too. 
and I don't have to get lost in it. So it's like before forgiveness, when one of these big issues, you know, the old trauma and pain, the fear, the, oh, my God, I'm going to get hurt, comes up and grabs you by the face and sucks you right in, it's like each time you do one of those pieces of work where you get the full-blown truth of this construct in my mind was false. It's like, you know, if you imagine your your hand is wide open and it's covering your face and it's locked in on the face tissue and it's squeezing and just sucking you into itself, each time that transfer mm-hmm. value comes, it's like, boop, you loosen another finger, you loosen another finger, you loosen until... You can't suck you in anymore. Yeah, I got this. This is another one of those illusions. I got it. I mean, I believed okay. in this one for so long, but the transfer value of what I saw yesterday. And, right. you know, that that's one of the reasons when they said to Yeshua, or my take at least, when they said to Yeshua, how many worksheets do we have to, how many times do we need to forgive our brother as to our brother, actually, it says, is seven times enough? And Yeshua says, no, 77 times 70. And he's saying that you're going to collapse those perceptions until they become weak enough that they can't suck you in anymore. And once one of them, once you get that direct experience one time, that will assist you in loosing yourself of every other. That's the transfer value. And that's the only thing that's valuable in the game of healing. And, you know, it's, it's literally the whole process is about giving up a whole world. Mm. One piece at a time. What are you giving now. it up for? It's usually one piece mm. at a time, yes. And what are you giving that world up for? To experience yourself as your created essence rather than with all the conditioning, all the brainwashing, all the overlays, all the drama and all the trauma that have sucked in a thousand generations of your bloodline and are stored within your structure. And so it's like once the fingers start to loosen and you get a little, you know, um, coconut oil on them. They slip off the face much faster and can't can't suck you in so deeply, which means that instead of you know you know she looks at me and up comes my trauma, and I go and I can slip that off and I can go oh oh here's another layer of my insanity oh oh yeah my mind wants to construct it that what she said but what I realize is this is my work to do. And that's so, the so she, she says to me, or someone says to me, "What are you making fun of me?" And and right there is where I, what? That, that's no, I'm not making fun of you. I are you I'm accusing not, me? Well, I I don't even go there because it's like the upset that I feel is like is. Wait a minute. I'm never upset for the reason I think. So just be quiet. You know, go to the go to the. Uh, That's transfer value. Ahead. Right. That's so transfer value. Tool. I'm never upset for the right. reason I think. Yeah. And then you just let it. It's almost this tremendous silence because there's nothing better than than being quiet. Because I didn't. I was not going to engage in this banter of Are you making fun of me when? No, 
not that's not it at all. And it's and, and any any conversation after that is, is just fruitless. It's and what that sounds like is a forgiveness process, a worksheet on being blamed. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. how did I'm, it go when your power person blamed you? That's what needs to right. be forgiven now. Yeah, here it comes again. I'm being blamed. Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah. And the course is really clear. You're innocent. That's all. You've always been innocent. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but you didn't see the crazy crap I've done. I'm not innocent. Oh, okay, well, claim your guilt, <laughs> argue for your limitations, and sure enough, they're yours. Or you could just give it up, you know. Uh, you, don't, you don't know the weird shit I've done. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. It's like, yes, I do, because we've all done it. <laughs> we've all done it. Nobody, you know, that's one of the games of the ego. Oh, mine's the worst you'll ever see. Oh, oh, you know, yeah. I'm yeah. alone in my suffering because I'm different. It's like, no, everybody's doing the same crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It just struck me as uh, jumping out of, of full transfer. In other words, full full use of. The, in other words, engaging the tool of the of the letting go. Exactly. Once you see a hole in the mind's game, nothing it says will ever quite convince you so deeply in its stories again. Mm-hmm. I remember one particular yeah. worksheet that I did. This goes back some time ago. And and as I did that process, I dropped into a memory and could see that all I was doing was replaying that memory as a picture put into my brain's image of the person that I was in interaction with. Right. And that... That that one experience for me is one of those, the transfer value. It's like, oh, yeah, when my mind wants to convince me, I can remember that. Oh, yeah, that, it wasn't true then. It's not true now, but it appears to be. So I'm going to just loosen the fingers on my face, put a little more coconut oil on them, and let it slide off. And I don't know where you're getting this coconut What's going on with that? Coconut oil? Oh, yeah, it's nice and slippery. And, you know, if you put it on your fingers, you can't hold on to your face for long. (laughs) Oh, but that's another good one. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, Jeannie made a, uh, we grew some um, lemongrass, or no, bee balm, an herb called Mm. bee balm this, uh, this summer. And she made an oil out of it that is the finest, sweetest salve I've mm. ever seen. It's just amazing. Uh, this is just simple bee balm out of the garden. Nice. Yeah. Well, maybe when you get up here to do that uh, creeper trail, we'll give you a jar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I uh, I appreciate the offer. Yeah, it'd be I'm going to put that on the agenda. I'm going out to Arizona, or we are going out to Arizona. My friend Susan and I, who experienced that whole Sedona thing. Oh, cool. Sedona's a cool town. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I've heard. What else? Anything else? That's awesome. it, I guess, for me. Yeah. 
Sweet. Well, I join Funny. you in the development of trust. Thank you. Thank you, Jeannie. And then Absolutely. what you'll do yeah. is you'll be willing to give up perception. And then you'll be willing to give up memories. And then human life starts. Yeah. The real thing. Yeah. And a man. And a woman. <laughs> Ta-da! And there he is. <laughs> All right, my friend, you have a blessed one. Okay, Thank take you. care. Bye. Bye-bye. So, Miss Jeannie, we've got about 10 minutes left, so we've got to have another hand up to work through this time and have a conversation. So who's next? Who's in line? Who's got their hand up? Right now, nobody. So no, press not one. Everybody at once, not everybody at once, though. Not everybody yeah. So if um, you're on our mailing list, you should have gotten an email from us last night, our newsletter. If you didn't get it, you're not on the mailing list, please drop me a line at Jeannie, J-E-A-N-I-E, at whyagain.org, and give me your name, phone number, email address, and I'll put you on our mailing list. And I saw a hand just now go up. I believe it's Ann seven six zero. You're on the air. Hey there, folks. Um, Welcome, yes. young lady. Along, hi. Along with Magda and Celinda, um, yeah, holding a space there for your dad, and it was great to hear about you. your connecting with the other side of your family. Um, okay, so I, I'll probably have to go back and listen to. Uh, earlier, but when you were talking and doing their monologue, um, just did you? I can't remember if you said just how did you phrase that. Well, it's interesting in the Aramaic language, the way the Greeks translate it. We hear okay. Yeshua saying, "Forgive your brother." In Aramaic, it doesn't say that. There are two little words in that sentence, and it, I can remember when this didn't quite make sense to me. But in Aramaic, wherever the instruction seems to be given to forgive somebody else, it says forgive as to your brother. In other words, if you're my brother or my sister, and you do something that brings something up in me, I don't forgive you. I forgive as to what you brought up in me. And I free myself from that. So... That's about freeing ourselves from the past. And when you start recognizing, like, you know, most everybody we work with is totally an early adopter. Like, you know, who of us can look back at our parents or aunts or uncles or cousins or brothers or sisters that had any idea inner work of forgiveness and, and how to shift from this outer focus, you know, from early, early childhood what did everybody do? They taught us to focus out there. Right. And who taught us after, you know, showing us to focus out there, because we want this little one's attention, who taught us then how to go back in and be aware of the inner realm? And that's exactly, it's, it's awesome to watch Aria, you know, she's four, 
And we'll say it's time to meditate, and she'll sit down and close her eyes and put her hands on her legs and just get totally and completely quiet and goes inside. Yeah. Okay. So so it's talking about removing those generational traumas. Okay, so which is what the wake-up sheet is doing. So so instead of me hearing it as... (laughs) forget or let go of, I like, and I've probably heard it before, but it's sinking in better, um, freeing myself from it. So I'm not taking away what happened because it did happen, but it was, it's not right now. It's not in the present. Um, So freeing myself from it is what I'm doing when I'm canceling the goal, right? Exactly. Okay. So, yeah. To forgive from your heart is to remove from your unconscious. Right. Now, the Greeks came on and said, no, it's to blame somebody else and let them off the hook for it. So the inward direction totally disappeared. It's like, keep us out there. Keep us out. Oh, there are rules. You need to. If you don't do it, then you're going to get punished and blah, 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 blah. And as opposed to go inside and become acquainted with the inner world especially becoming conscious of the thought disorders that have perhaps gone on in your bloodline for a thousand generations and are the root and the cause of your pain. And it's so habituated in us, in our family systems and in our culture, that it seems like a foolish idea until you start to do it. And then there comes a point where the whole game changes. Right, and then when it's, when it's kept quiet or, you know, you don't understand what your feelings are and that's passed on that we don't talk about feelings or we don't know how to talk about feelings. Okay. So when you were talking with Joe, when I was looking at the wake-up sheet, it's like, you know, at the top right corner, um, at least the version I have still, um, forgiveness. So when you were talking about transfer, it just seemed to fit right in here. The forgiveness, the tool for waking up from and changing my reality. So I'm waking up from there and I'm changing it to here. Exactly. Okay. Okay. I I think when um, those would go back to rereading the whole sheet again, that I need to go back to that habit, well, clearly it wasn't a habit because I didn't keep doing it, Uh, go back to that practice and make it more of a habit because then I'm reminded of those principles at the top to run, to help me with the rest of this wake up. So, okay. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cool. And, and, you know, in, in conjunction with the earlier lesson that I read, words are symbols, so now we just use words. For their real purpose. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's how you use the tool. Rather than, let me tell you the truth about this, which words can never do. You know? One of the chapters in the book, if you're, and why is this happening to me again, remember, is words could never say. Because it's all about our perception. Okay. Correct. Okay. Thank you. One cool. more. Sweet. Awesome. All right. Blessing. All right. All right. Strength to strength. All right.
Appreciate you. Amen. All right. So it looks like we may have two or three minutes, and in that two or three minutes, I'm just going to say that uh, we're working toward a 16-day Food Fund Forgiveness and Work Program at Heartland this summer. We're not 100% sure on it yet, and probably a nine-day Why Is This Happening to Me Again intensive, and perhaps teacher's training. So if you're interested in those things, drop Janie a note. If you didn't get our newsletter, drop Janie a note, and she'll get a copy of it to you. It's a really important one. We've had a a lot of profound and powerful experiences with a, a device that we've talked about on the show several times called the Avacyn. And so I went in and I did a whole, I mean, there are, I don't know, eight or ten videos, like some really deep explanation and some deep education on physiology in this energy system and how to vitalize it to remove trauma-based patterns. And so if you don't have that newsletter in your inbox, drop Jeannie a note, J-E-A-N-I-E at whyagain.org. In the meantime, have the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with Dr. Michael Rice and myself, Jeannie Rice, and Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pache as we present the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We are here for two hours every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Mind Shifters Radio. For more information on Aramaic forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.